Hi, this is Pastor Mike Gordon, and welcome to Bethel Brandon's Sunday Message. For more information about this podcast and more resources, visit us at BethelBrandon.ca. Amen. Welcome. God bless you. You may be seated. We are so glad that you are here on a mask-free Sunday. Isn't this great? This is kind of nice. Now, one thing that I was told was that they kind of had uh, um, amended things a little bit, and we thought that we were fully um, be, to be able to run things without social distancing, and then they kind of added a little thing yesterday about saying in churches we should do our best to social distance, and I thought we have kind of done that, kind of policed ourselves to be able to do that. And it's kind of one of those times where it's iffy, isn't it? It's just there's lots of people. I was in the store yesterday, still a lot of people wearing masks, and you know, we need to be respectful. They're still fairly separated. So if there are those people who are still saying, I still want to wear my mask, then please feel free to do so. Um, and you might feel more comfortable in the balcony where you have a little bit more space to allow that to take place. And maybe you know someone who says, well, if they're that close together, I'm not coming. Well, there's other opportunities. We're trying to do everything we can um, to minister. Amen? All right. Hey, there's a bocce ball tournament happening uh, this Saturday um, at... Manhattan Beach, and so I'm hoping that you have uh, applied there, and you said, well, hey, I don't know anything. I'm just new. Well, this is a chance to get to know people at the church. It's at Manhattan Beach. If you need any more details, call the church, look on the website, and, and register for that. We want to do, what we want to do is we want to create activities where we can attend, again, be able to be a church family, and uh, it's not just about the sermon and the song. It's about people. It's about community, and I'm going to be talking about that a little bit uh, uh, this morning, we're kind of in the, the midst of a uh, summer series on uh, Proverbs' best hits. And, and uh, in Proverbs, there are a number of incredible scriptures that I wanted to bring up. But at the same time, there are a number of incredible themes uh, that aren't really, you know, there, there's not just uh, one or two scriptures. There's a whole bunch of scriptures. It's kind of a reoccurring thing that, that Solomon says as he goes through the book of Solomon's. Uh, one thing he does say is that you are a simple-minded individual. And I hope that that doesn't offend you, but if you think about it a little bit, just a little bit, it makes complete sense. When you compare yourself and the limitations that you have in your mind to a God who knows everything, who is not only the God of the present, but the God of the past, the God of the future, eternal God. It only makes sense to realize that in comparison to God, in comparison to God, the wisest person that we have on earth today is nothing in comparison to God. And this became a revelation to me as I began to study the book of Proverbs. Like I kind of realized that, it was, that this was kind of the case, but... If you all of a sudden come to the realization that in comparison to God, you are a simple-minded individual, it changes your outlook. It changes your perspective. It changes the way you kind of look at things. And up until this time, I used to think that, you know, if I use the brain that God gave me, which I thought wasn't a bad one, that when they are talked about simple-minded people, they're just people who lack common sense or people who just refuse to do things God's way. And... Um, I think that there's a whole lot more to that. Because I passionately followed God, I automatically took myself out to be in that category. Um, but now all of a sudden I realize there's more to that. I believe that there is a residual wisdom that comes for every person who decides to follow Jesus. When you decide, hey God, I'm going to give you my life, I'm going I'm to serve you, 
that there's a wisdom that kind of comes into place with that. But at the same time, the Bible talks about a level of wisdom that only comes as we pursue God, as we follow hard after him. And I don't ever want to get myself to a point where I'm relying on my own brain in certain situations in my life when there's a God who's saying, hey, I've got wisdom from you, and it is based on who I am. And so that becomes something problem. The bottom line is, I no longer want to see my smarts as a valid choice to determine some of the most important issues of my life. And what happens with Christians is, is we fall into three categories. There's the category of people who never ever realize that there is a level of wisdom that God is offering to us. It says it in his word. And there's another group that know it at a head level, but never ever apply it at a heart level. You know what I mean by that? There's lots of stuff we know head-wise that we don't practice heart-wise. And there's another group of people who do know it, but they take a look at what it will cost them. They take a look at the fact that they're going to have to get down and pursue God, and they say, ah, the price is too high. And I hope that we don't fall in that category. And so, um, I'm naive enough to believe that the word of God is true. And when it says, listen, wisdom is calling, follow hard after it, that I want to do that. And my prayer is that that, that happens to you in, in your life as well. And so what I want to discuss is one of the most popular passages in scriptures. I, I know it as the parental, uh, the parental province, uh, promise, and it is found in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, and right away when we hear this passage of scripture, we think, well, it's basically for all the parents that are out there, but I don't believe that that is true, because it isn't addressed directly to parents. It doesn't say, hey, parents. It talks about everybody. And I begin to ask myself the importance of a church community than when it comes to raising our kids and our children and the aspect of the fact that, that we are only one generation from extinction, how important it is to understand things in terms of a community. I often wonder, when we get to heaven, the thing that we are going to be more answerable to anything else is what did we do with the mandate Jesus gave us to love one another because that is how he's going to show his power through the earth. We think that when we're going to get to heaven, well, it's going to be this attitude that I had, this sin that had taken place. I often wonder if it might be because of some of the things that we didn't do. That we were negligent in the promise that God has for us if we actually live together as a community and genuinely love one another. What is going to be the ramifications as we stand before God? And, and, and God said, so what did you do with the fact that I told you that you needed to love one another as a, as a church? And some of the things that we might say is, well, I was just so busy, and I, I had a career, and I had work, and hey, I had to get the kids to piano practice, judo practice, dance practice, volleyball practice, whatever practice it is, we know that. Or maybe I was just too busy writing a sermon, God, or, or, or maybe I was just so hurt myself that I just couldn't do it. You know what Proverbs says? One of, one of the Proverbs says in, in Proverbs 24, verse 12, it says, but if you say, but will life know it, will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? And so I, I believe that there is a strong mandate 
that we sometimes neglect as the body of Christ. And as a result, there are casualties in the church. There are people who should be here and who are not. So let's talk about this particular passage of Scripture. Now, I've got it in the New International Version. It's Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And, and if you've been a Christian for any length of time, I will guarantee you that you have heard this passage of Scripture. It goes like this. If we could show that, that verse right now. And this is the New International Version. It says, start children, start off the way they, they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Proverbs 22, verse 6. And we understand this. For most of us who kind of grew up with the King James Version, it, it goes like this. Train up a child, if we could get that verse on there. Train up a child in the way that he should go, he or she should go. And when he or she is old, he or she will not depart from it. Now, just by a quick survey, hey, have you heard this, this, this scripture before? Almost all of us have heard this passage of scripture before. And it has been a um, a wonderful thing that we have held on to. And, and again, it doesn't say mom or dad. It just says train up a child. And this is important for us to understand because I believe that it is a community that raises a child. I believe that a church raises a child. I believe that God calls all of us. We have baby dedications. And we have the parents up and we, we, we quote scriptures and we pray over them and we pray over the family. And if the grandparents are here, we'll pray over the grandparents. But there is also a charge to the congregation. Do you remember? And that congregational charge is this. We're going to do everything we possibly can to raise up this child so that they serve Jesus with all of their heart. Now, they may grow up. They may move to Winnipeg. They may move to Saskatoon. I'm not too sure. But kingdom mentality says, while this child is here, we're going to do everything we can to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so it's important to understand this. But this, this verse also, and hopefully you love the word of God. We've done it. Um, the, um, sorry, this is one of the most wonderful passages of Scripture, and one of the most misquoted passages of Scripture that it is. And it causes great comfort, and it causes great consternation. There are those who just see the fact that, you know, if I just allow God to move, my children are going to serve God until their dying days. And there are those who have children who, for some reason, have turned away, and Never really come back and you begin to say, well, if this is true, what did I do wrong? And I sit here condemned over the fact that this passage of scripture haunts me when I see the fact that my kids are not serving the Lord the way that he is. So what exactly is this passage of scripture saying? Well, there are five different valid interpretations of this passage of scripture. And... The interpretations are not from people who I would consider slouches. It's not like, well, this is the person from, uh, you know, some totally different religion who believes something totally different from ourselves. No, these are from evangelical believers who, who have taken a look at the scripture and kind of accordingly um, uh, interpreted it. Okay, so if you could give me a couple of minutes, and I'm hoping that this will be, this will be something that will challenge all of us. There's the first... There's the first um, interpretation or the first uh, rendition of the scripture, which talks about it being uh, a promise, that there is an unquenchable hope that their children will remain in the faith in which they are reared. And even if for some reason they kind of go off for a little while, in the end, they will not 
depart from it. It is a promise. And there's a combination in this promise, isn't there? There's the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. There's the conviction of the Word of God. There's the influence of a godly example. There's the conviction of our testimony. And there's the covering that envelops those people who trust in this passage that, that it's kind of like a seed that is planted and, and doesn't return void. It is like the, the conviction that the Holy Spirit will eventually work out. And that doesn't mean we stop praying. Like many of us, if you've been in the church, you've heard testimonies of parents who have prayed. I know of a, a story of a, of a lady who prayed for weeks for her child that was in prison because of sin that had happened in his life. And he was so far from God. And all of a sudden, God turned his life over and went to Bible college. Just one of the main, uh, one of the main teachers at Moody Bible Institute. Incredible story. You know, I, I grew up in a church where the youth pastor uh, used to be uh, a hell's angel or an outlaw. One in a motorcycle gang. And, and what happened was his parents prayed like crazy. And all of a sudden, he shows up and um, God saves him. My brother-in-law was so far away from God, so far away from God. And uh, Angela's uh, mom prayed for him, almost fanatically so. And she prayed so fanatically for him that I almost thought that she was turning him off. And all of a sudden, he got cancer, and a week before he died, he received Jesus. This, this isn't stories that are unheard of. This isn't, oh, we've all heard these stories. We've all clung to these stories. And it's a combination, someone, I said it's a combination of P words, isn't it? It's like, it's like the promise of God, a purposeful example, the power of the word of God, the prodding of the Holy Spirit, the peace of God, and the persevering of a mother and a father possessing faith. Train up a child in the way that they will go, and they will not depart from it. What a wonderful passage. Stop right there. Pastor Mike, close in prayer. It's promise. But there are other people who think that it's not a promise. It is a proverb. It is a proverb because we see it in the book of Proverbs. And, and Proverbs, as you read them, you need to somehow, at least from, from chapters 10 to 29, realize that a proverb expresses a general truth, but doesn't necessarily say that it happens all the time. And there are a number of proverbs, but don't always happen. A person lives a righteous life, lives well into their, their old age. Well, I do know some people who love Jesus with all their heart, who died early. A person with, with, with uh, a lazy man will, will, will often get up late and receive nothing. A wise man will get up and will receive things. There's, there's a whole bunch of parallelisms that happen in scriptures which present a general truth but are not necessarily true all of the time. Train up a child in the way that they will go, and in the end, they will not depart from it. Talks about this parallelism, that, that the impressions that you make to a child in those years will remain in them and will influence them. And the Hebrew culture taught this, and it was amongst the most important thing for a Hebrew culture to, to train their child in godliness. As a matter of fact, the Proverbs says the reward of a person uh, is a wise son, but a blight on a, on a Hebrew family is a, a foolish son. And if you read De uh, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 to 9, it says, listen, take the words that are spoken, take the teachings, uh, 
And when you are with your son or your daughter, talk to them. Talk to them when they wake up. Talk to them when they go to bed. Talk to them while you're walking on the streets, while you're going down the pathway. Put symbols on their hands. Put things on their forehead. Put it on the doorpost of the, of the doors and on the gateways as they, as they go. And this was something of crucial importance because they live by this particular passage. And the word chanak is the word that was translated to train up, to initiate. It also signifies to dedicate. So dedicate your child to God. Do everything that you can. And as a general rule, they will not depart from it. That word chanak also comes to, to, to talk about to taste, to, 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 to it, was, it was a word which was used by, by the Hebrew community when a child was just learning how to eat solid food. And what they would do is they would kind of grind up or they would, they would process or maybe even pre-chew the food and put it in the child's mouth. Let them taste the things of God to continue to do that. In the end, they will not depart from him. Now, there's an issue with this. Because of the, the context of the passage of Scripture, it kind of says that. But also consider this, that it, if it is a promise, it would take away a child's free will from them. See, at the end of the day, creation and the plan of God tells us this. You have to decide for yourself whether you're going to serve Jesus. And all the best trial training, trial, trial training that you can have will never replace the fact that we still have to have a free will as to whether you're going to choose to serve Jesus or don't. And that doesn't mean that I stop praying. That doesn't mean that I give everything to God and trust that God will move, that God will somehow initiate and work and change. So the proverb of this passage of Scripture says that you need to train up a child in the way that they should go. And although they still have to have a free will choice, we can certainly lean the table. We can do certainly everything in our influence to put heavy weights on the side of God. Because believe me, our media and our television and all those other things are putting heavy weights on there. So we need to do our best through our words, through our example, through our unconditional love, through, through our prayers, through our consistency, through celebrating God moving every time we see it. And the powerful prayer of a parent. There is something extremely powerful of a prayer of a parent. I believe it goes directly to God to minister in that particular need. And not only that, we need the influence of godly friends and godly grandparents and a godly community that works together to show that child growing up that the God that their parents serve is a lot. To guard and utilize the impressionable years of our children to build the virtues and truth of our faith. Because everyone else is fighting for our children, we need to do so ourselves. And there is a window of time where we can point our children, where we can direct them, where we can guide them, and we need to do that. It is of utmost importance. Not a promise. It is a proverb. And I would imagine at this point, most of you are with us. Most of you are kind of saying, yeah, okay, well, I can see that. There's another interpretation which basically says it's neither of those. It basically is the passing on of an apprenticeship. So basically, 
If you read this passage within the context of a Hebrew culture, it might look a little different than us who kind of live in, in a North American culture. In a Hebrew culture and in the culture of that particular time, what had happened was there was an aristocracy that was built up. And if you were a prince, then as a child, you were, you were trained to live the life of a prince. And if you were high on the, the social scale as a child and as a teenager, that child was trained to follow in the path of the parents. And that kind of went down throughout all of the classes. Jesus' father, Joseph, was what? A carpenter. What was Jesus? A carpenter. And so what it is basically has been saying is train up a child in the way that they are needing to go. And it's not really talking about a righteous living. It is basically talking about the, the path of life that, that they need to go to become successful. Well, how do you get that? Well, that scripture, train up the child in the way that they should go, the original language does not have that term in the way that they should go. What it actually says is according to their way. And when you're talking about a child, many times it talks about a young adult. It talks about a teenager. And it says, if you can train up, if you can initiate, if you can teach a child according to their way, in the end, they will not depart from it. It has to do with career. It has to do with instructing them in a way where they can properly be prepared for the rest of their life. Train up a child in, according to their way, and they're not going to depart from that. It is a, a passing on of apprenticeship. Interesting, isn't it? Seems to have a lot of merit. But there are other people who will say this. It's not the passing on of an apprenticeship but what is, it is, in fact, is a proper assessment. It basically is a funnel. I wish I forgot, I forgot my funnel. I kind of had a funnel. I had a sermon illustration. I'm sorry, I didn't bring it today. But let's picture a funnel. To chinook, to train up, to teach, is to take all the ideas and to funnel them into something which is specifically regarded for that particular child. It's a narrowing. It's a training of them to dedicate them in the way that they need to go. Darby, who's one, who interpret, has one interpretation of Scripture, says this. Train up a child in the tenor of his way. That's what he says. And basically, those who see this, this passage of Scripture say this. Your child has gifts. Your child has abilities. Your child has a personality. And what your responsibility is, as a community and as a parent is this, to show them the way that they should go based on how God has created them. Because if there's a calling on their life, they will best utilize that calling according to the gifts that God has given them. Train up a child according to his way. If a child is, is, is good in communication skills, if a child is good at, at leadership, Develop those things. Develop all the good things that are in your kids. And, and when they realize that it is a natural turn, they will not turn from that way because God has created them that way. Which means that the way I would train up one of my children would be totally different than the way I train up another one of my children. Does that resonate with you? You have one child who is like, Dad, I'm going to do absolutely everything 
that you tell me to do because I'm such a wonderful child and I will never ever disobey you and everything you tell me to do, I trust you. And the other one comes out with a drink in one hand and a cigarette in the other hand and says, oh yeah, is that what you think? Well, no, 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 no. You're, you're thinking that I'm going to sleep through the night? Well, no, I'm not going to sleep through the night. I'm going to get up every 20 minutes. And I'm going to sound like this. Wah! And you're going to have to come and help me all the time. And I don't really agree with anything. And they get challenged every time. And, and there's stubbornness, which is there. But there's other gifts that God has for them that are absolutely incredible. And if you can funnel them, if you can train up a child according to the tenor of their way, you will be doing a great advantage to them, not only for them, but for the kingdom of God. Because when they work in their gift, when they work in, in the, the unique person that God has created them to be, wonderful things can happen. So it's a little bit different, isn't it? It is a proper assessment. It's the, the parent of the job to discover and funnel them into the place where God can best utilize them in the easiest way to serve God. Wonderful thought, isn't it? And then it's number five, which is neither a promise or a proverb or uh, the passing on of an apprenticeship or a proper assessment. It is a potential warning. And this is what group number five will say. The verse is not a promise, a blessing, consequently, of godly training and parenting, but it's a warning against letting a child live according to his or her natural or sinful desires. Now, many times when they take a look at this and talking about a child, they're talking about a single teenager. And they basically say this, if you let a child go according to the natural inclinations of the human heart, they will naturally go the way of sin. Because the word of God says that the heart of a man is deceitfully wicked. We're not basically good. The Bible says we are basically bad. That's why Jesus had to come and die. Because there is sin in our lives. And sin will ruin over, rule over us if we don't do something about it. And this is what this passage of scripture says. This is the, kind of the way it, it, is, it is versed. And... and and a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's so much of a difference in the interpretation of the scripture because it went from the Hebrew scriptures to a, a document which was called the Septuagint, which was the Greek translation. And then in 4, 4 AD, a man named Jerome copied a, a Latin form of it called the Vulgate. And then from there, it was like 1,200 years before King James kind of came along in the early 1600s and, and kind of put it into English. And so, and so all of a sudden, we just have these, these issues Basically says this, you need to direct his way. And if you don't direct his way, you're going to ruin his life because he's going to go the route of a lazy man because all the Proverbs says, if, you, if, you, if you're just lazy, do nothing, you will go that particular way. And the scriptures say, no, no, you don't do that. Every human opposed, enters into this world opposed to God, it says in 15, uh, Psalm 50, 51 verse 5. You know, if you just sit back and let them naturally decide, they will naturally decide to go the way of the flesh. And this flies against some of our modern philosophy. I'm going to let them decide for themselves. I'm going to let them do it. Well, meanwhile, the rest of society fights tooth and nail for their souls. We take the laissez-faire attitude. Oh, well, they'll figure it out eventually. No, therefore, 
not a promise to parents to raise their kids properly, but a warning to those who allow their adolescents to grow up without guidance, who raise them up to go their own way. Don't let them go wild or you will lead them uh, down the wrong path. Train a child according to his evil inclinations and he will continue in his evil way throughout life. A child's own ways will be driven from him. Let a boy do whatever he wants and he'll grow up to be a self-willed adult incapable of change. That's another way it could be interpreted. And what adds to that is throughout the book of Proverbs, you kind of have this pattern, this, this, this um, what is the word? Gravity of depravity. Hey, if you let the foolish way go, it will end you in the wrong place. You know, if you raise your child in a way that allows them to continue in their natural self-centered desires, getting their own way, they will grow up fully given to self-centeredness. In the context, this is something to consider. So the question I have for you now is this. Which one are you going under? Which one do you see? Maybe not, hey, which one is the one that I grew up with? Because that's the one I'm safest with and that's the one I'm going to go by. No, take a look. Don't pick the favorite one. Take the one that you actually think the word of God says. You know how I take this passage of scripture? Train up a child in the way that they should go and in the end they will not depart from it. I start with the end of the verse. In the end they will not depart from it. The other parts of the interpretation are, are you know, can be debated. But the crux of the matter is this. We want the end of our children's future to be in heaven with Jesus. We don't want our kids to depart from a great thing. You know? So I think I see credence in number five. I think I also see huge credence in number two. But I live by the spirit of number one. I live by the spirit of number one. I pray like crazy for my kids. I get everyone to pray for my kids. And I hope you do too. You trust that God is going to move. You do everything in your possibility to make sure that they serve Jesus and you gather a community around as well as you possibly can because it makes a huge difference, doesn't it? I came across a story, a real moving story of a, a family that lived in, um, I think it was San Francisco, the south side of San Francisco. And there was an individual, his name was David Kraft, and he grew up in a pastor's home and his father loved him dearly. And he tried to exemplify a life which says, you know, the God that we serve is faithful and the God of the past is faithful. And because he's the God of the past is faithful, that means that the God of the future we can trust. And he took this as a life motto. And he grew up and felt a call to ministry, went to Bible college, excelled in Bible college, began ministry, had a burden towards those in the athletic field and, and had a ministry to, to athletes. And at, I believe, about 30 years old, um, he was quite athletic himself. He was six foot two, 200 pounds, was a specimen of an individual. And everything was fine until a diagnosis of cancer had come on. And then over a period of time, he goes from 200 pounds to 80 pounds. And here he is, just a shadow, six foot two, 80 pounds. And the story kind of starts with him calling his father 
And as his father comes into the room, it's just him and his dad. He says, Dad, do you remember when I was a kid, you used to grab me and hold me close to your chest? He said, well, I remember that. Do you think, Dad, one more time, we might be able to do that again? For some reason, I just remember that time. That time was so special to me. So the dad in tears sits down right beside the son in the bed and he holds on to his son, 80 pounds, six foot two, and head to head. And both of them are crying. And his son looks at him and he says, Dad, thank you for building the kind of character into my life that can enable me to face even a moment like this. You see, because when it gets down to it, when we're raising our kids, when we're doing everything we can to tell them about Jesus, it comes through not in the good times. It comes through the bad times, doesn't it? It comes through those times when life is not so easy. And um, I don't know everyone here, but one thing I can almost guarantee is this, that you've been through some good times but you've probably been through some bad times. And it's in those times where we see the power of God move. I was putting together this sermon, and um, there's a moment that happened a few years ago. It was my first year here as the pastor. And um, a wonderful, wonderful woman of God, Margalenus, was sick. And uh, I knew Marg from from when I was here earlier. And so I went out to visit her and um, we got talking. And she said something to me that, you know, probably didn't mean much to her. Hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, Mark, hey, here I am back after 25 years. And she said, you know, I held your babies in the nursery. I held every one of your babies in the nursery. I don't know, kind of hit me because my daughter's moving to Ottawa this week. We're going to be empty nesters. And, and um, the first kind of hit me, you know what I mean? Tramp a child in the way that they will go. Then they'll not depart from it. So for all of you teenagers, or sorry, all those uh, teachers, Sunday school teachers who taught Sunday school, who did VBS and never ever got a thanks for what you did or perhaps you're a caretaker and you cleaned up after kids every week and they never said thanks to you at all. Or maybe you're a parent and did absolutely everything for your child and they're still away and you're praying and trusting. Whatever the case may be. We all work together as a community. That's why we're a church. That's the importance of church. I thought it was because of a sermon. Well, the reason I came was because of Pastor Mike. He's such a good preacher. No, you don't come here because of me. You come in here because there is a community that will love you no matter what. And will raise your kids, help you in the process because you can't do all of it yourself. We need to work together to see God move in our kids. Amen? Amen? So God, I pray. and. I know that this is probably a bit of a strung out sermon. Try and explain what this word actually means. But Lord, I pray a prayer of 
power upon each and every parent, each and every grandparent, each and every person in this congregation that we will do everything we can to raise our children according to what your word says so that in the end they will not depart from it. And there is so much influence out there that is begging for their control, that is begging for their allegiance. And as the body of Christ, we stand up and say, we are going to raise our kids to follow and serve Jesus so that eventually they will come preachers and they will become evangelists and they will become prophets and, and, and they will shake their world. So I pray, Father, for the presence of God. I pray for the touch of the Holy Spirit to move. And I ask God that as we worship you in this last song, that you will fill each and every one of our hearts in Jesus' name. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook.